Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to Farm Food Facts for March 4th, 2020. I'm your host, Phil Lempert. Did you know that it was Renewable Energy Day on March 1st? Neither did I. Staying on that topic, with us today is Jeff Boyne, the founder and CEO of Poet, the world's largest producer of biofuels, who's here to talk to us today about the role that agriculture plays in renewable fuels. Jeff was presented with the American Biofuel Visual Award by Growth Energy. This award recognized him for a lifetime of dedication to advancing the biofuels industry. His work in the industry has brought environmental benefits and economic opportunities to individuals and communities across the globe. As CEO of Poet, Jeff built the company from a small 1 million gallon per year facility back in 1987 to now the world's largest biofuel producer with 1.8 billion gallons of annual fuel production and 10 billion pounds of high protein animal field among other products. Our own CEO, Aaron Fitzgerald of U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance moderated a panel, the Farmer to Farmer Conference. And Jeff, you were one of the panelists. What was your takeaway from that session and the farmers that you spoke with? Well, it was a great day. It was a great opportunity to talk with a lot of farmers. We built our business partnering with farmers. We have about 4,000 farmer investors today. And it was a good chance to get in front of them and talk about the ag situation on the farm today. You know, farmers farmers in a bit of a crisis, certainly facing some really difficult times. And to, re- to really remind them that biofuels could, could help them out of the situation. You know, if you look back to the ag crisis of the 1980s, it was really biofuels over the next decade, decade and a half that pulled our nation out of that ag crisis. And so I reminded them of that and, and kind of showed them a bit of a, of a roadmap to the future as I see it for agriculture. So, Jeff, tell me a bit about how and why you started Poet. Well, again, uh, it goes all the way back to that egg craze of the 1980s. My father uh, was a farmer, and when I was a teenager on the farm, it, times were pretty tough. You know, we had, we had animals, so we were able to put some of our crop through animals. We had a lot of crop that we had to sell below the cost of production. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly there were government programs to help bring the prices up, which were literally subsidies. But my father had some vision and built a small plant on our farm to make ethanol or biofuels. And so we took the byproduct then and fed it to our own animals, the protein, but used the starch portion to make fuel that could power cars. It actually went into you know, the Minneapolis market and, and ended up in cars. And, uh, you know, from that small start on my father's farm where he was literally trying to add value to his own corn, we learned enough about the economics to buy a bankrupt plant in the early 1980s in East South Dakota. Uh, and I moved there at the age of 22 to start this business. And it was just a 1 million gallon per year plant. So we started with 13 employees. Today, we have 2,000. We started with 1 million gallons today where uh, wow. we actually produce close to 2 billion gallons and uh, just had tremendous success and growth turning low price crops into into higher price energy while producing you know high quality high protein feeds at the same time eventually that brought the farm economy actually to a very successful point uh, about uh, a little over a decade ago where farmers were in high cotton and prices for commodities were very high and that never would have happened without biofuels growth so today, the industry is trying to move from 10% ethanol to 15% ethanol. We have battled our own government at times, the EPA. <laughs> we have battled the oil companies, really, and really that battles against the oil companies, you know, and, and, and the politics that go along with trying to take some market away from the wealthiest companies in the world. 
and we've had a very hard time getting to 15% ethanol. Were we able to do that? We're now moving down that path. Had we gotten that done seven, eight, nine years ago when we were planning to do it, but we were held up by politics, farmers wouldn't be in trouble today. You know, here we're having crisis again, and farmers haven't made money for years. We've got some farmers trying starting to commit suicide in rural America. I mean, there's some tough things going on. And uh, once again, biofuels can be the catalyst to pull agriculture out of these difficult times. You mentioned your fight with the traditional fuel industry. What would you say to those people that say, you know, traditional fuel prices have come down significantly? Why do we need biofuels? Well, even with their prices coming down, we are still cheaper than they are. You know, and we could even still be cheaper than they are at a price where farmers could make a profit. So number one, we're lower cost. Number two, when you burn ethanol, you get carbon dioxide and water, and the carbon dioxide goes into next year's corn plant. It is the only liquid fuel that can ever be in sync with nature. Today, it's significantly cleaner than gasoline. And when we get rid of some of the hydrocarbons used to haul it around and, and, and used in the tractors and trucks and some of the hydrocarbons used in eventually in fertilizers and chemicals, we can actually be truly in sync with nature. There's really no other fuels you, that can be truly in sync with nature. It's very difficult. And we're facing climate change. Our cities have unprecedented pollution. You see the black smog hanging over a city like Los Angeles. We can make that go away with biofuels, certainly reduce it significantly while saving the consumer's money and lifting up the agricultural economy. Now, that's a win-win-win for everybody on the planet except the oil countries the oil and oil companies, companies and you know, the oil companies. So, and that's okay. So it's uh, right. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you, you know, you're using the term biofuel. You had said ethanol. What are the varieties of biofuels that are, that are out there today or about to come? Well, there are really only a couple significant ones. You've got ethanol or bioethanol, which comes from the starch and the corn kernel and also can come from cellulose. You've got biodiesel that's out there in the marketplace, obviously, in the diesel market. And then you've got some renewable diesel that's starting to come into the market. That's about it as far as biofuels. I mean, there are not a lot of them. There's some people talking about LJ, long-term play, not coming in a big way anytime soon. A lot of chatter out there, but you know, maybe our grandchildren will use it, but not soon. We're here today. We're cheaper today. We can expand today. There's too much commodities on the planet today. We can clean up the air, we can reduce global warming, and we get blocked in Washington. You know, we get blocked in the states, we get blocked in the markets, we get blocked by organizations like UL. We get we get bad press that's not true from groups that are paid to do that. So this is a real battle for the gas tank. I think, you know, the American farmer needs to understand he's in a battle for the gas tank and oil doesn't want to give it up and they've got to have it. If they don't get it, it's going to be a long, hard ride for agriculture. So what should farmers and consumers and gas retailers be doing to really change this? If, in fact, everything that you're saying is correct, and I believe that it is, cleaner fuel, cheaper fuel, you know, better for the environment and so on, and, and I understand politics, what should we all be doing? You know, obviously, farmers need, and ag companies and ag organizations need to work together done that better in the last couple of years than we have in the past. We all need to work together toward a common goal of more biofuels, which by the way, creates more protein, which lowers the price of protein in the world because the crops that go to biofuels would never be grown. We would either have to shut down land like we did in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, a billion acres went idle around the world during that time when we subsidized grain. We need to make sure that we're all on the same page fighting for more market to keep prices up for farmers 
and to clean up the environment. Now, E15 has already been approved. So E15 is the short-term opportunity. It, it solves the worldwide ag oversupply. It would have been nice to get there six, seven years ago. We've been fighting it politically for 11 years. We're starting to grow in the marketplace. We all need to get behind that movement. The USDA is very excited about that movement. So we're moving down the path to E15, but now we need to start working on the next blend, which is gonna be probably E30, 30% ethanol. So that's what I think ag needs to do. As far as consumers, consumers need to purchase E15 which creates cleaner tailpipe emissions. It's higher octane, it's better for your vehicle. It's a great fuel, higher blends. E15 is used in NASCAR. It's used in the toughest conditions on the planet. It's also sold as unleaded 88. So if you see unleaded 88 at the pump, pick up that hose, you're gonna save a few cents a gallon. You're gonna get the same mileage. You're gonna be cleaner tailpipe emissions and you're supporting American farmers while you're doing it. So it's a win, 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 everybody wins. So, Jeff, looking to your crystal ball, if everything works the way you would like it to be, where is ethanol and biofuels in five years from now, 10 years from now? Well, as you know, yields on crops continue to go up. And not only do yields go up in the U.S., so we're having more and more and more commodities and there's not enough market for it. We have that happening around the world as well. So South American yields are going up. We're working in Africa right now through a nonprofit that our company created called Seeds of Change. We're able to take farmers' yields up on everything on their farm, including even even chickens, but, but crops especially, 400 to 900%. Wow. And so you look at a continent like Africa, it's running at about 20% capacity on the land that's farmed there today. We can get another 80% capacity out of that land with simple education and a model that we've helped develop here at POET that works unbelievably well. We've already helped the we're working with 160,000 farmers to do that right now. And there's six people on each farm. So that's almost a million people's lives who are changed. And we create more commodities that can wow. provide starch and cellulose to produce energy and protein, oil, and micronutrients to feed animals and people. So this ability for the earth to produce enough commodities to replace oil is, is something people think can't happen and it very easily can happen. If you look at the data, if you look at the land that's out there, there's a billion acres on out of production while the US and Europe subsidized grain for 50 years. That billion acres doesn't even have to come back into production if we use the current land efficiently and we still will have enough commodities to replace petroleum. So if we really wanna stop climate change, if we really wanna clean up our air, if we really wanna stop breathing all these chemicals in our cities, because it's not just in the air outside your house, it's in your house, People need to understand that there's an option to turn to agriculture. Well, Jeff, I can understand why you would be presented with the American Biofuel Visionary Award. Congratulations on that. And thank you for joining us today on Farm Food Facts. Thank you. For more information on all things food and agriculture and to listen to our archives, please visit fooddialogues.com under the Programs and Media tab and visit us on Facebook at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time.